First book of Kings, we find on page 346, chapter 19, and starting to read at verse 9. The Lord appears to Elijah, and it's on page 346. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram, also anoint Jehu son of Nibshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we don't get an opportunity to hear from Jonathan much because he's generally... Uh, working with our young people, um, but I've asked him if he'll come and speak to us this morning, and um, he's agreed, so Jonathan's going to um, be giving us our reflections this morning. So Jonathan, do come up, and let's pray for Jonathan as he prepares to speak to us. Father God, we thank you that you place words within us to share for the building up of others, and so we pray that by the gift of your Spirit within Jonathan, you would speak through him to us that our hearts and minds would receive his words and receive your words to us this morning, that we would be challenged and taken forward on our journey. And so we pray your presence with him as he speaks to us this morning. Amen. Good morning. Hello. Hello, Steve. Um, so the reading this morning was looking at Elijah and looking at part of his story and part of his journey. 
I don't know if you picked up uh, where this happens. The verse just before we, we started reading, the beginning of verse 9, tells us that Elijah was in a cave. Um, I don't know if any of you have uh, had much experience caving. Has anybody been caving much? No. I've, I've not been kind of seriously caving, um, but I have been in a few caves in my time. And I want to tell you about something that happened this summer. Many of you will know that Stacey and I got married, um, and we spent our honeymoon in a very remote part of Scotland. And the, oh, sorry, this one, um, a West Ardnamurchan, um, so the Northwest Highlands, pretty much um, as westerly as you can go, and it was incredibly remote. Uh, and we were looking at the ordinance, ordinance survey map to see kind of what was round about, and we saw some caves marked on, and we thought, we'll go and see it, so this could be quite, quite interesting. Um, so we headed off, we, we, we started walking just alongside the beach, but very quickly the path headed away from the beach, and it started going over these hills. So we're travelling across the hillside, the ground was getting increasingly muddy and uneven, um, very, very uh, difficult terrain, but we were determined that we would find the caves. Well, I was determined we would find the caves. <laughs> I think Stacey was kind of okay about it. We'd, we'd been travelling for about three hours, uh, and we'd finally reached the other side of the hill where we were. We still weren't quite at the caves, though. Um, we got to this point here, um, which was, I mean, the whole of Scotland's obviously incredible, but this was probably one of the most incredible places there was. We reached this bay, and I don't know, is there a laser on this? Oh, there is. You can see right at the very point here, the other side of the bay was where the caves were marked on the map. Um, we'd set out quite late in the day. We'd had a, a, a late morning, had, had lunch. So we'd set out, and we hadn't really prepared for when it got dark. We hadn't really taken any extra food with us. Obviously, we had no phone signal because it's Scotland. Um, and so we didn't, really <laughs> we didn't really know how long it would take to get around there, how we would get there, if it was safe, if we'd get back. We, we just didn't really think it was very sensible to continue. So we debated for quite a long time, do we try and get there or do we not? We were pretty knackered and so we decided to head back and we didn't actually manage to reach the caves, unfortunately. But as I was thinking back on our experience of that journey to try and get to those caves, um, I wondered what it might have been like for Elijah as he was heading towards the cave that he found himself in. Elijah was a prophet in Israel about 850 years before Christ and he lived in a very difficult time. The people of Israel had been worshipping, uh, they, they turned away from worshipping God and they were worshipping one of their own gods, Baal, um, a god of storm and rain. And to show his power, God sent a drought to cover the land for several years and Elijah was the one who delivered this message of the drought to the king, King Ahab. This is the beginning of chapter 17. So a couple of chapters before we read today. And in the few chapters between that one and the one that, where Elijah's in the cave, Elijah has some very mixed experiences. He was a fugitive from the king, um, hiding in remote places. So initially he went east, quite near the Jordan River, and God provided food and water for him. So even though he'd run away, he was hiding there, um, God uh, honoured the message that he'd given Elijah to tell the king. He then stayed with a widow who had very little food. She was on, on, the, on the last that she had. Um, and then her son died. But God's power was shown in both those situations, in providing for the widow, and then in raising her son from the dead. 
And then Elijah went on to stand up to the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And you might know that story where there are two altars set up. Elijah's on one side and the prophets on the other side. There's 450 uh, prophets of Baal. Um, and the prophets of Baal pray to their God for fire to come down from heaven and set the altar alight. But they don't get any answer. And then Elijah prays to God to set the altar alight. But before he does that, he, he drenches the whole thing in water. Um, making it pretty difficult. But again, he sees God's incredible power. The whole thing um, is a light and the water is completely dried up. It's unmissable and undeniable what God was doing for Elijah in that time. And the many people around about recognized God. Um, verse 39 in chapter 18 says, And when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. But at the same time, as Elijah was seeing God's power in action, and he was trusting him, he still had this great difficulty. Although King Ahab had seen what happened in Mount Carmel, he then went and told his wife Jezebel about it, including the part where Elijah had killed all the prophets of Baal. And as you can imagine, Jezebel wasn't best pleased. So she swore to have Elijah killed, and again he had to run away. He was a fugitive. And that's the point at which we find him in this cave. He travelled 40 days to get there, having wanted to end his life earlier, but being encouraged to continue on by an angel. And he's feeling completely disillusioned by everything that's been happening. He says in verse 10, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Such contrasting experiences of seeing God's power and trusting in him, but with all this stuff going on and just um, incredible, difficult time. And it now seems quite lame, uh, the thought of station I had of, how are we going to get around this, this, um, this bay? We felt pretty exhausted after three hours of journeying. We were concerned about the time it would take and the lack of food and the lack of phone signal and all that stuff. Um, Elijah journeyed for 40 days without food. He'd eaten at the beginning of that time to keep him going. He was determined to get away from where, where he was and hide out in this cave. And he must have been in, in quite an emotional state, having been through a time of depression because of the challenging experiences that he'd had, but also having seen God's power at work. But at this stage in the cave, he's just ready to give up. And I wonder if that's something that you've ever experienced. Maybe having seen God at work in your life or other people's lives. Maybe having been able to trust in his power and being confident in what he's doing. But then at the same time, feeling that everything's against you. Things are not going well, not going the way you'd hoped because of life circumstances. Maybe health or finance or friends, family, work. And it's so easy to lose sight of God and to forget about what he's done for us in the past when things get tough. We also see that reflected in the story of the Jewish people throughout many generations and also into the time when they were waiting for the promised Messiah, which is what we're thinking about in this period of Advent. Throughout the history of the Jewish people, we see similarities to the experiences of Elijah. From being slaves in Egypt to reaching the promised land, uh, they saw God work in amazing power, parting the Red Sea, providing food for them in the desert, um, and guiding them by fire and cloud. They, they trusted God at times, they knew that God was there with them, but they were still disillusioned by what was going on, and they were still overcome 
by the daily struggles and challenges that they faced. And often, they turned away from God. They just forgot about him. Then the prophets spoke of a saviour who would come and rescue them. And that's what the Jews held on to during the time of persecution by the Romans. Isaiah talks about this child. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, we read, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And then in Jeremiah, in chapter 23, it says, For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is right and just throughout the land. And these people would have known of the ways that God has shown his power in the past. They would have had the scriptures and heard the stories of their ancestors. They were holding on to the hope that God would come again like that and show his power to them through the promised king in a big, mighty, powerful way. And again, it was a mix of experiences for them. Really challenging time, really struggling to keep going with this persecution, but somehow knowing that the God had promised them this saviour, this kind of contrasting experiences. So let's go back to Elijah, back in the cave. Um, so he's at the end of his tether, he's looking for a way out um, because of the trouble that he's faced. And God meets with him. If you've still got your Bibles open, have a look again at verse 11. And actually, I'll just read from, to make sure I'm reading for the same copy. Oh, you got it. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, so from verse 11, it says, here we go. Um, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. In the past, Elijah had seen God walking in powerful ways. And I wonder if he was expecting to see that again. If he was expecting that in the wind and the earthquake and the fire, that that's where God would be. That's where he would experience God's presence. That would seem to match up with his previous experience of God. But that wasn't what God did. God chose to show himself in the gentle whisper. Um, or is, is translated by some scholars from the original Hebrew as the sounds of silence. God showed himself to Elijah, not in the way that he expected from his past experiences, but in a different way. A way that connected with where he was at at that moment and met him at his point of need. The gentle voice gets Elijah's attention and then God's able to reveal to Elijah what he should do next. He shows Elijah that he has a plan, that actually he's not the only one left, as he had thought, but there are 7,000 others who had remained faithful to the Lord. And in parallel to the way that God revealed himself to Elijah, not in a big noisy way, but in a quiet, personal way, he also revealed himself to the Jewish people and to us in the form of Jesus. They'd been waiting for a, a heroic saviour who would come along and conquer the Romans, an important person born in a palace, somebody who would, who would come in and probably make a big thing. But Jesus came in a quiet, simple way, in a humble way. Not what they were expecting, but in a way that would connect with people 
in their normal everyday lives and has continued to do that for over 2,000 years. In Jesus, God reveals his love and his grace to us in a gentle voice, the contrast with the harshness of the law that the Jewish people had been living under. And so as we go through the period of Advent, which looks forward to the coming of Jesus and God revealing himself to us in Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection, let's remember that God longs to speak to us and to connect with us. We can feel so caught up sometimes in the trouble of life and disappointments. And sometimes we can be in such despair that we're looking for God to intervene in a big, noisy way to show his power and his might. And God speaks to us in different ways. Sometimes we need to let him speak to us in the silence. God knows what we need. And the story of Christmas reminds us of the hope that God gives us in the form of the light of the world. So as we go through this time of waiting and preparing, may we be looking for where God is speaking to us, which might not be where we expect. Where might God be speaking to you today?